Okay, we are back with an episode of Barbie Does Dating. I am your host, Barbie Berg. This is our producer, Nick Galletti. Hello. And he's back, you guys. We haven't seen him in so long. Steve Solberg. Been a long, long time. Steve Good to has be been back. Gone for, Here we are. Like, he's back occasionally. Yeah. Intermittently. Yeah, I'm home for a few days. Yeah. He's been doing the cruise ship thing. And other things, right? And yeah. other things. Other things. I did I did some comedy in Amish country. You did? So that was kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't for Amish okay, folks. Was like, I was going to say, did, did that land? <laughs> you know what? They like to laugh just as much as anybody, That's right? That's true. Yeah, but I would imagine it's a different punchline, or you'd have to deliver it. I, I think they're not as different as you would think, yeah. actually. Like okay. they, because I, I spent some time hanging out with some Amish folks when I was there, and, and I have two friends who grew up Amish. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, they don't necessarily practice every tenant of that faith anymore but um yeah yeah they're just regular dudes that sometimes wear like you know sort of coverall type looking mm-hmm. stuff yeah and they had black pants like when i first met them they were runners and they would oh. run in a white shirt black pants and suspenders wow really yeah and they weren't allowed to swing their arms no, that's not I'm true. Not like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, they just regular dudes, you know. Did you meet him through cross country? Um, they were uh they loved Ragnar. And so oh. they were they had a Ragnar team of this nice. whole Amish group. That's so cool. And so like they're camping and they're they're like, yeah. Yeah. There's almost no difference here. <laughs> And they're, everybody else is like, oh, it's so hard. They're like, oh, you guys. And they're like chopping wood. <laughs> what's what's different, you know? I love that. So you went to Amish country. Where else? Uh, before that, did a route through the Panama Canal. And that was cool. I never, it would have never been a bucket list thing before. But suddenly when you're there, you're enamored with it. And I was out on the deck the whole time taking photos, looking at everything, going, "Yeah, wow, that's cool, that's cool. And uh, and then when you go back through the second time, you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I just booked another one where I'm doing it again, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> kind of on the boat a long time. But, but that's so cool mm. that you got to experience that, though. That's something that most people in the world will never experience. There's so much interesting history there. Yeah. Like, you don't realize. And also, Panama City pretty great city it's a huge city and it's a metropolitan now and it's kind of has the look of a party town a little bit yeah yeah like you see it from that's what i've always heard i never knew Mm -hmm. i was ignorant to this and i they're like and there's panama city and there's this beautiful museum funky art structure thing and then this skyline that looks kind of Mm miami-esque with all these tall brightly colored buildings and i was like what and they're like, well, they make a lot of money down here. It's like, oh, I don't know. Isn't yeah. that interesting, though? Like, you kind of don't realize. Like, I'll never forget the first time I flew over Mexico City. And they're like, we're starting our descent. If you look out the window, you'll watch it. And it was 20 minutes of densely packed buildings. Yeah, it's like wow. 28 million people or I have something. never it's seen anything like it. Yeah, it's huge. It was unreal. And I just... 
you know, I'm in my happy little bubble. I just kind of like, oh, Mexico, it's what you see in the movies. Everything's that brown color. And <laughs> you know, it's not. 28 and million? I think it's 28 million. I mean, that's huge. I we mean, think it's New unreal. York is big. And it's uh, like, now I got to look it up because I don't want okay, to yeah. sharing false stuff. Yeah. It sounds right. I would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. Oh, yeah, you did I Alaska? Bought, I bought a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, got well, and that's coming up again. I'm going to do another route of Alaska. You are, so. yeah. At yeah. one point, are you going to bring your friends with you? Yeah, <laughs> actually, do you want to? If anybody wants to do the Panama Canal again, shut uh, up! I do that in a heartbeat. I have. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. It's uh, when am I doing that one? April. This is not to be sorry. April 9th through 15th. Yeah. I hate podcasts where they're just like looking at their calendars being like, <laughs> when when can crap line up? And you guys at home are like, I will kill care. you through the freaking. <laughs> I am here to learn how to date. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. It's 25 million. 25. Oh, small. So little. <laughs> they probably miscounted. Well, Isn't that and, just amazing? And then though? there's, you know, that's the whole that's in the city versus in the area. Sure, you know, like how do you count that? So yeah, but yeah. still, it's not a small city. No, because we live, we we record in Salt Lake City. How big is Salt Lake City? It's like one point two million. Yeah, and does it's that spread two. out over that, the whole valley? It's actually valley? probably like six hundred thousand actual population. Mm -hmm. But if you consider some of the suburbs around. I think they put it at one point two down to point of the mountain or whatever. Yeah, I think it's the like the Salt Lake Valley. Probably the, the, point the point to 1.2 million compared to 25. So we're only 25 <laughs> times smaller yeah. than Mexico City. Like, I didn't realize how giant Phoenix was. And I'm like, wait, what? It's like, what, five times bigger than Salt Lake? Something oh, really? like that? The Phoenix metro area. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. We, we'll look that up, too. Barbie does statistics. Anyways, you know that the first few minutes is us just catching up because Steve called me the other day. And I like stopped and looked at my phone and I was like, I don't think Steve's called me on the phone for like a year. <laughs> and talking to him on the phone, I'm like, it made me realize I haven't hardly talked to you for months. Yeah. Like we Marco Polo and then we see each other here sometimes. Right. And that's right. about it. Because he's real. just, no, it's well, an you've illusion. Been, you've been traveling a lot too, Barbie. I have. Hi. But I did. I went to Paris again. It was my fourth time in Paris. I love it. Wow. I love it so much. You didn't stay at the same place that you stayed at last time. No, which was we right wanted by the, to. The river. It was sold out for most of it, but it's expensive. It's an Airbnb that's right on the Seine. And it looks out onto the Seine. And it's $278 a night, but he has a lot of fees. So unless you're staying there for a week, it's really not worth it. And it's there. Like you can sleep like six or eight people there. Oh. And there was only three of us going. And so we're like, it's okay. We're not going to do it. So we stayed at two different parts. We stayed at one part. It was like more the northeast side of the city because we like to say somewhere different. And then we went and stayed in the Latin Quarter. And the Latin Quarter was amazing. Never been there before. It was incredible. It felt exactly like what you would feel like Paris was. But let me tell you, every time we were near, we called it our apartment, the place we stayed last time that was on the Seine, we would get sad. And we were like, that's our apartment. So I've, I'm never <laughs> uh -huh. staying anywhere else again. That's that's my place. Cool. So I'm supposed to go back again in January. And I'm ready to just already book it, to be honest, and just <laughs> be done with it. So if it's six to eight people, that's a lot. It's a lot. And yeah. it's a great apartment. I mean, it's five minutes from Notre Dame. So 
It's going to be fabulous. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, of course. You yeah. walk everywhere. Then, you can't huh? see it. Well, I don't walk everywhere. I like to take Ubers, but that's just me. Whatever. <laughs> My friends like to take the metro, but I don't like to do that because you miss seeing everything from point A to point B. So, but it was fabulous. We went. My favorite thing was we did a cheese tasting. Nice. It was amazing. It was so good. This guy owns this little restaurant and taught us all about cheese. <laughs> and then I know it sounds so dumb, but it was a wine and cheese. And so I don't drink. And so I got there and he's like, oh, well, we have water. We have this. He says, we have organic apple juice that we make. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Wow. Okay. I'm not kidding you when I say that is the best apple juice I've ever had in my life. I believe so it. Crystal ended up having it too. And we were like, like, we couldn't shut up about this stupid apple juice. It was so <laughs> amazing. And so then we get back on the plane. They had drinks and Crystal got apple juice. And I thought she was going to spit it out. She's like, this is disgusting swill compared to that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and it was, it was, it is the best apple juice I've ever had. But nice. it's, it's hard to go to France and stuff or just Europe in general because the food over there is so much cleaner and so much better. Yeah. I lose 10 pounds every time I go over there and I eat a freaking ton. I eat a ton. <laughs> like, What's our deal? It's scary. Anyways, we won't go down that little rabbit hole. <laughs> my little tinfoil hat society. Anyways, wow. is what my family calls me. They're like, you're becoming a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, I don't know what I am, but America's food. <laughs> That's is, what they want you to think. That. That's what they want you to think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't trust our FDA. Yeah, <laughs> with their so, like. Okay, we'll go off this. Buy Cheerios or whatever. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so Steve's been traveling like crazy. I've been to France, and then I just got back from Chicago for work. It was my big work trip, and it went beyond amazingly well. Awesome. I'm still kind of overwhelmed and in shock how well it went. So that's good. Harvey's life is good. Very, very good. Still single <laughs> and alone, but very good in every other aspect. But. Um, Nick, yes. you've been super busy. Yes. You've been busy. traveling too. Yeah. I got to go to Orlando and uh, Dominican Republic and anywhere else. Did you get to do anything fun in the DR? Was that a fun trip or was it a work trip? That was a total relaxation. I, we, we went to a place where we wouldn't have to cook, mm -hmm. clean, anything, all inclusive because we needed to do nothing. Did you love it? We loved the place. Yeah. Um, the resort was a little, eh, yeah. but we, it was great to just relax on the beach for hours mm -hmm. and just take it easy, which is exactly what we needed. Yes. It, it was just you and your wife, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. If you don't know, Nick is the father to five daughters. Yes. <laughs> and Four of which are still at home. Yeah. And like, cause how old's your youngest? 12. Okay. So you have like 12 to 20? 20? She's turning 21 this 21. year. 21. So yeah, they needed a break. Yeah, just you guys a little bit. Needed a little break, and it wasn't actually the family part was only half of the reason. <laughs> just life, <laughs> life gets complicated. You know? It does, it's, and stressful, and wonderful things. But at the same time, you need a you need a break. That's all it was. You know, I I have to be careful because sometimes I'm like, ugh, life is stressful. Ugh, I'm so tired. And then I get around people who have like real busy schedules, and they're <laughs> like, "What happened with you?" And I'm like, "I went to Chicago." And then I've been watching eight hours of Netflix a day, and it's been so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a long time ago, my sister has six kids, and when they were little, I was never allowed to say that I was tired around her, ever. Because she's fair. like, yeah, no, you, you don't even know. And I'm like, you are correct. I do not know. I do not know what tired is. As that's I go part back of to it. sleep. So anyways, that's our catch-up. Delicious. Steve and I are still unmarried. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> I don't know that anything new has happened there. 
So I wanted to do, okay, have you guys heard of Matthew Hussey? I, not until you shared him. Okay, he's a really hot British dude, which, which most I'm, of the girls I'm will normally know. into that. I know. You're normally yeah. like, well, I better listen to him. That's We talk about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but he is a big dating coach. He has a couple books and he has a lot of online stuff. I got introduced to him like eight years ago. I really enjoy, he's very good at helping women, but he also helps women kind of understand what men are thinking and the way their brains work. But that's I just very much enjoy him, and he is very nice to look at and listen to, which is also a bonus. He only sounds a little bit like Harry Potter. Does he? He's got that accent. Let's I guess see, that's let's true. Let's see if that filters how his voice sounds. Oh, crap. Now I'm going to listen to it and be like, <laughs> oh, Um. So what I wanted to do was, this will make sense in a bit. I wanted to do an episode about strengthening your table legs. It will make sense. So I was talking with a friend of mine who... She's been dating and she's been coming to me for advice lately. And I laugh because she's doing a lot of the things wrong that I used to do. I used to be extremely clingy. I used to be very, you know, you can be, you can be open to an extent, but when it's like, I was very clingy. I think that was my hardest thing because I had a very anxious attachment style, very anxious. And I'm doing so much better about it and stuff, but she's still in that and so she was asking me about like kind of like she I felt like she was kind of chasing people. And so we talked about this and, you know, about like, hey, you got to let them not chase you, but you just can't be humping their leg all the time that, you know, that that's that's one of <laughs> all my the things. Time. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's fine, but <laughs> you don't want to be a leg humper. So I found this. It just randomly came up while I was on YouTube and it talks. It, his main thing is it was talking about like, don't chase him. But it goes into an analogy that I really like. So what I want to do is I want to play it for you guys. And then we will talk about it after. Does that sound good for everyone? Everybody agree? I wanted to talk today about one of the most common mistakes that we make when we're really excited about someone, we're attracted, and we want to bring them closer to us. We want to turn it into something lasting. And maybe we feel like that person is either a little bit out of reach or we feel like we're not entirely sure of how they feel about us. And we find ourselves investing more and more in them to try to secure the relationship. In the process, what happens is the things that are important in our life right now, whether it's our friends, our family, our hobbies, the things that give us a sense of value and identity in our lives, those things start to fade into the background as we make this person the focus of all of our attention. Why do we do this? Well, when we really want to find love and we suddenly meet someone who seems to epitomize everything we've been looking for, we've decided based on this person's qualities, characteristics, what they look like, how they act, that this is the love we've been looking for. All of a sudden it feels like there is nothing more important in the world than securing this thing. And we do the one thing in this moment that is the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be grounding ourselves in the things that are important in our own life connecting to these things that give us a sense of worth outside of a person. And yet we lose connection with all of those things and we get drawn into the gravitational pull of how do I please this person? How do I make this person mine? How do I make them want me? That instinct to try harder 
when we want to get someone is actually an instinct that works against us because someone doesn't become more attracted to us or want us more simply because we're trying harder. When they feel us trying harder and for some people it makes them kind of pull away a bit or it makes them feel like they can pick us up and put us down whenever they want. It makes them feel like they're in control the whole time. It makes us even more anxious. And then we drift even further from these other things that matter in our life in an attempt to double down on the energy that we're putting into this person. When we value more than anything else, the idea of finding a person to share our lives with, and then we meet a person who represents that dream in the flesh, all of a sudden we'll do anything to make that happen, even if it means losing or ignoring all of these other important parts of our life. And of course, when we ignore certain things, we lose connection to them and they don't feel as significant anymore. And of course, when we divest in them, they start to shrink because they're not getting love and attention from us anymore. What we have to do, which is very counterintuitive when we find something we really want, is double down on the meaning that we get from these other areas of our life. Whether it's your hobbies, your passions, your friends, your family, the ways you love spending your time, the books you love reading, the things you love to do, the things you love to learn about, your purpose. Those things are the things that if you value them, will not only bring you a sense of perspective in your life where you go, oh, my life is so much bigger than this one area. Uh, of course, I would love for this person to reciprocate and I'd love for it to go somewhere, but if it doesn't, I have a big, rich life. These things are incredibly important to me and I have those to fall back on. If we do that, it's like having legs under the table. I want you to imagine that here's your confidence. It's like a tabletop. And that tabletop is supported by these pillars or legs under the table. And each one of those legs is a different part of your life that gives you strength, that gives you meaning, that gives you purpose, that gives you love. Now, those are all the things that when we meet someone, we wanna come with those legs already strong under the table. We never wanna meet someone and either A, not have them, or B, suddenly decide that the legs under the table we do have aren't important anymore because we found this one really important leg. So at the very time that we feel like we found the dream person, that's when we have to double down on the areas of our life that support the table. Because when that happens, we're able to go into that situation as someone's equal, knowing that if it doesn't work out, I'm good. I got legs under the table, right? You can break. I've got more legs under the table. I don't need to beg. I don't need to try harder than is reasonable. I don't need to keep chasing you. I'm just gonna bring you my best, show you this wonderful life I've created, and if that's not enough for you, and if you don't give me enough, I don't need this. So I thought that was really interesting because it really spoke to me because I am somebody who in the past, especially when I would meet somebody, I would. I would let these important things in my life kind of go to the wayside. They weren't my forefront. And I'm not saying that. I think the other thing was I thought it was I think that he did a really good job of saying it's not the other person asking you to put those things on the back burner because there are some of those people that are like, I don't want you doing this. I don't want you doing that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you personally invest so much time, especially at the beginning, when it's almost not the infatuation stage, but you kind of know what I mean. Like 
everything like, oh, my gosh, my thoughts are all about them. Everything I do is all about them that I know I was definitely letting the other table legs that I had kind of go to the wayside. They were definitely not getting treated right. And so it just kind of struck a chord with me that I was like, you know, I feel like I've done better about it, but it's something I really need to focus on because the other thing I've realized is those table legs are the reason that a lot of people are attracted to you in the first place. So if you kind of just let them go, that the people are like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. Oh, you're not as, say, strong in this as I thought. So thoughts, feelings. Yeah. I know you guys are kind of I, digesting it. I mean, that that point that you made, that's what people oftentimes are attracted mm -hmm. to you. It's funny because you don't recognize that you're doing that mm -hmm. when you drop everything else. And I think almost everybody who has dated a while has has been guilty of that. Where yeah. you see somebody and you just abandon everything and go, this is your most important goal. Yeah. Which there it's just never gonna work. That is the the fastest way to turn somebody off. Yeah. And I think it's funny how often we I, I know I did that mm -hmm. in uh in in past relationships and just was like baffled as a young college student. Yeah. What, what did I do wrong? I <laughs> they were my most important person. But and sometimes, you know, especially when you're growing up in a world where you're listening to so many talks that are like, this is the most important decision in your life. And yeah. This is a big thing. And this is very important. And this is so critical and developmental. And there's no bigger, more important thing than you can do. So then you think that you're justified in mm -hmm. dropping everything else because you're like, I'm trying to do it right. Yeah. And you're, you're doing it absolutely the most wrong way possible. And nobody said that in those talks, by the way. Yeah. Nobody said, drop everything else so that you can... But your brain just loves to take things and kind of it's kind warp of an it extremist. to this new view. Yeah, your brain yeah. is very much an extremist. Yeah. Right. No, just yours. <laughs> Isn't that the freaking <laughs> truth? Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because this almost echoes of, you remember the movie Hitch? Oh, absolutely. Remember yeah. the very beginning of Hitch when he finally got the girl at mm -hmm. college and he was like gaga for yes. her. And then this, this car scene where he's... Knocking on the door. What What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Yeah. And the guy, do you remember what the guy says? What did he say? You're doing it right now. Oh, yes. That was his response because it's, you're overdoing it. You are, you have completely lost whatever sense of self you had. Yeah. And she became bored with that. Or yeah. bored is probably not the right word. It just was unattracted. It, very her. much so. Well, and it's interesting because... I think for men or women, I heard this talked about once that it's not even just unattractive. It almost becomes a level of repulsion, yeah. like where we're like, you, or like, what are the kids calling it now? The ick. That's the new thing. Oh, They're really? All, have you heard that? The ick. The ick. It's been a big thing on TikTok that girls are sharing their ick and it's the dumbest crap. Uh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's making me so mad. There was one girl who was talking about she went on the date with this guy and she really liked him and everything. And he had a new car and the car alarm started going off and it took him like three minutes to figure out how to turn off the car alarm. She didn't like and she that. was like, I'm done. Gross. She was like, that is it. And that gave her the ick. She said so gross or you're saying gross? No, she said gross. She said gross. She was like, That's the worst. he gave me the ick. I never wanted to talk to him again. Da -da -da -da. And it was like, because he couldn't figure 
figure out how to turn off his car alarm. Oh gosh, karma's gonna get her someday. Yeah, really bad. What a being what a over icky person. is or icked is an ick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's like I get that there's things like you do. Of course, when you find the right person, you want to meld them into your life. You want those things. But we okay, I'm just gonna say me. I have always been so quick to just being like, yes, you are a huge part of my life. You are now the center of my life. Look at this. I'm I've always been too accommodating. I've I'm loyal to a fault. I have been in the past. Like, and I just kind of like this is it's too far of an extreme, but I joke with one of my friends, like, we tend to have a tendency to like we women keep our crazy in a bottle. Okay. And sometimes we let the lid off just a little bit. And some people take the lid off and they shake it. <laughs> They're just like spraying crazy all over the place. Okay. <laughs> so because I had one of my friends, she was having a fight with her boyfriend and she told me something she did. And I'm like, whoo, you took the lid off that bottle and you just sprayed that sucker everywhere. didn't <laughs> Maybe that is my personal analogy. All women have crazy. We just try to keep it in with well, the lid on it. And I, I think we, I, I think men have crazy too. Absolutely. But, but it's, you know, it's just a different, it's the, the concept of, of over mm-hmm. like committing. Yeah. Um, or, or, I don't even know if it's overcommitting or just overdoing the relationship a little bit. Um, I was talking with his other comic yeah. recently about this this comedic duo. They were doing a show and there was a line that the guy had that he knew he could get a laugh on every time. But then suddenly the line started not getting a laugh. And he finally went to his partner and goes, what's going on? Why am I not getting the laugh there? I used to always get the laugh there. And she said, the difference is, is you are now asking for a laugh when you used to just say the line. Oh. Mm. And I think that that we that's kind of how it is in dating when we're asking them to fall in love with us instead of just us being ourselves yeah. and saying the line, doing our thing. And sort of when we're like, will you please love me? It it can be difficult to I don't and I don't know why. Yeah. It would seem acceptable to ask. But uh, you would uh, think, but I think because we're not uh, maybe because we're not outright asking, maybe we're just trying to be like putting on a show and being <laughs> like, "This is a thing." <laughs> well, that's I think that's what it is because you say overcommitting may not be the right way to describe it, but I think what he's saying is not that you're committing, or it's not the mm-hmm. commitment; it's oh. the losing of yourself. Yeah, when you lose yourself in the process, you aren't leaving them someone to be attracted to, mm. right? So. I think that part of this asking for the joke at that point is it goes back to why are you doing this? It doesn't feel natural, right? It feels like you're doing something unnatural. In a way, you're also restricting their freedom because jokes are best when you, you know, you're not asked to, right? It's not the applause sign. Yeah. Right? You, You want to just laugh naturally. I think that men and women both want to have affection and love for the person they're with naturally. And when you essentially start begging for it, and look, married people are guilty of this too, by the way, in case that was a question. Okay. Um, This this happens in marriage all the time, but you, you get to this point where if you are kind of almost begging for the laugh, or in this case, begging for affection, they're not free to give it because now it's, I I have to do it. I'm obligated to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the consequence of not giving to you is unpleasant to me. 
and so there's there's kind of this cost that goes on with affection and if you if you're not giving it naturally and it feels expected you begin to resent it and i think that in dating you see it because it happens over and over again possibly with different people and that pattern becomes very evident if you do it a lot like what you were talking about Barbie. Yeah. but in marriage Sometimes it just happens because you're with the same person and that's the dynamic that you've co-created with each other. And, you know, you can call that codependency, but that's really the disease of lost self that this guy's talking about, that, mm-hmm. that you, you end up becoming a shell of a person and you're not sure who, what you're really liking. It's almost like, does your dog really love you when you feed it? It mm-hmm. looks like it, <laughs> but they're, you're just, they're just eating. They need to eat, yeah. right? And it's kind of like, I know with our cats, they expect food, right? <laughs> they just, I'm going to get this food. Yeah. They're not happy for it. They just, that's what you give me. Mm-hmm. And and so there's a different type of affection that's given when it's expected. And it's a debt to be paid in the relationship rather than a gift that's given. Mm-hmm. That's the way we've seen it. Like Heidi and I have had those moments in our in our relationship. It, it comes up and waves. You sure. Know, it, it, I think the maturity comes when those moments happen less not that they never happen they're they're gonna happen sure anyway no i like that i like that well i was just thinking about so i have a history of in the past not as recent as could be but more recent than i would like i date not great guys and i always have and lauren actually the other dating coach i remember it was about a year ago and i was talking to her about something and she said but look at your pattern she said, you've dated drug addicts, you've dated alcoholics, you've dated guys that are nowhere near worthy of even being with you on a daily basis, yet you let them in and you bend over backwards for them. And she said, and what happens every time? And I'm like, they break up with me. She's like, that is correct. They break up with you. And you know why? Because you're not the right fit. And you're trying to make it fit. And it's not the right fit. And they know it. And just because you're a, we're going to say, quote unquote, this makes you sound horrible, but quote unquote, because you're a better person than they are, doesn't mean that you're the right person for them and that they need to do everything. They knew that you were not a long term fit, but I was there just like, no, we will make this work because I don't know why I was doing it. Now, looking back, I'm like, what the crap? Like, why would it, why was I even trying to make it work with these people? Well, it's kind of funny, too, because like. It, it almost feels a little transactional at times mm-hmm. because you, when you go into that mode of, I need this person to be around, it's like they're now going to maybe even feel used. Like mm-hmm. you're using them for filling whatever hole you already have. Yeah. And so, again, if people can sense that from an arm's distance, then they just go, eh, not going to start that. Mm-hmm. But if you can put yourself out there as the type of person that doesn't absolutely need this person in order to be happy, you know, the table legs thing, then I think that you kind of, again, you you become attractive because of, it's almost paradoxical, because they see that you're not going to be a drain on them. Yeah. I don't know. That seems like a low bar, but I don't know. It happens. I mean, it's true. I mean, there is, you do have to run that fine line, especially as a woman, like, You don't want to be too independent. You want to make sure that the person that you're with does feel needed, that you are willing to ask for help. But you don't want to also be an emotional vampire that's just going to suck everyone dry because you just need everyone all the time, Um, which, 
yeah, looking back, I'm like, it's hard for me to look at because I'm like, oh, I'm mortified. I'm mortified at how I used to be. And it's definitely a process. <laughs> I have to I have to look at it and say, I have learned. I was joking with my sister the other day. Just I have some friends that are in not great relationships slash marriages. And I was telling her about the latest with somebody. And I was like, I'm just so happy I did not marry any of the losers I've dated. I am so thankful that none of them <laughs> wanted to marry me. And at the time, I was so sad. And now I'm like, oh, hallelujah. Thank you so much. What a blessing. Thank you for breaking up with me. Thank you for rejecting me because I would have married them because I'm an idiot wow. or used to be an idiot doing better. Used to be. <laughs> I'm an ex, ex idiot. I'm a recovering idiot. <laughs> Idiots anonymous. Idiots anonymous. <laughs> you were going to say something, Steve? Oh, I, I, uh, I don't remember, but I like the idea of, I, I used to be an idiot. I, I think, mm -hmm. I think everybody, everybody, you look back and you go, wow, that was dumb yeah so like what's Huss, matthew hussey's recommendation as far as step one and sort of the table scenario if you're working be on no, be better be better <laughs> how you be good <laughs> has he you know that is a good question because i stopped listening at a certain point because i was like wow this is blowing my mind and then i didn't listen anymore so uh, maybe maybe that'll be a part two. I don't know. We don't give resolutions here. Right, well, right, right. Actually, I think that this is very much in the same vein as what we had with Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Yes. And and that emotional maturity kind of build who you are yeah. idea. And part of it, I think, is choosing who you want to be and be loyal to that. And or actually, I think President Hinckley even said, be loyal to the best within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the idea of Deciding who you want to be is pretty key because then you've got that choice that you lean back on of, mm -hmm. I want to be this person. Someone who I want to be with is going to like that person too. Sure. And it becomes a test as to whether or not they like that person mm -hmm. or if they like their need of you and, and you know, what you fit for them. You said something earlier, Barbie, that I'm I'm kind of curious and want to ask you further about. You said you don't want to be too independent, that you want to be a little needy. And I'm wondering if what you mean is it's okay to be independent, but you need to project that you're open to an interdependent relationship. Yeah. Is that more what you mean? That is more what I mean. So it's actually a really good example. I went on a date a couple weeks ago with this guy, super nice guy. and. I have have found that I have to be very conscious of allowing people to do things for me. And it's not in a way of like, I can do it myself. It's a I'm just so used to doing things for myself. So like I physically have to stop myself. Like when we're walking up to a door, I have to mentally say, Barbie, stop walking so fast because you're used to getting up there and opening the door for yourself because that's just a thing. Again, it's not a I'm a woman. I can do it for myself. I'm just used to doing it for myself. And when I walk too fast and open the door for myself, I have gotten feedback from guy friends and stuff. They're like, that puts out a message of, I'm not interested in you romantically. I'm not interested in connecting with you really? that way. Yeah, very much so. That it's a, I'm a tough girl and I can do this. And they're like, it makes me feel emasculated. Not because I won't open the door, but because I'm not even giving them the chance. Where some women do. Okay. Put it I, out there as a very... I think that's silly. Well, I it's think not that, even anything that they can control. It's kind of an control. antiquated idea. But 
understand. Here's the thing that I've also learned from, say, Kristen and Lauren, is men fall in love through service. Okay. They I do. Can, I can, yeah, I can agree And with by that. me not even giving them the opportunity to open a freaking door for me because I'm too set in my ways is just silly on my part, to be honest. Like, why won't I just let them do this? And again, there's two very different mindsets. There's very much the mindset of, I am a woman. I'm not letting anyone do this for me. And the other mindset that I found me and a lot of my friends have is, I'm just used to doing it myself, but I'd love it if you did it for me. But I have to physically stop myself and go, let him open the door. Let him pay for lunch. Let him do these things. Because I'm just Mm. used to doing it myself. So, yes, it may be antiquated. I don't care. That's fine. (laughs) But it feels antiquated to me because it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't have that much weight as to who opens the door. Well, so the other thing, though, is we put off subtle signals. All of us do. And if I'm interested in this person and there are subtle signals that I can give to show them that I'm interested in you and I'm purposely choosing to not do them, like, yes, let him open the door for me. Let him buy me lunch. Let him help me with something. Like, those are things I need to do. It's okay to let somebody help me because I'm not letting myself be vulnerable on even that tiny little thing, how am I going to let myself be vulnerable with somebody further down the line? Okay. It's so, sort of like your yeah. make the bed type thing where it's it's setting a tone yeah. for other successes maybe. Sure. Or other, yeah, I, I definitely think that letting them serve you is a good thing. And mm-hmm. I think, of course, that has to go both ways. Yeah. And and that's a, that's a thing that, that hurts the table legs, I guess. When yeah. one person goes, I'm going to always do this. You are blocking them from being able to fall in love with you sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're not letting them serve you. And I've definitely been in those relationships where you go, oh, man, let me help. Let me do these things. Yeah. And uh, and they're like. They just don't see it that Mm -hmm. way. But I think. I don't know. It's it's hard to let yourself be served sometimes. Well, it is. And so I am friends with a lot of women who are all self-employed. We're very independent. We've done this alone for a long time. And one of the things that I hear from all of them is, I wish I just had someone who would come and not ask questions, just take a look at me and say, you're carrying five bags. I'm taking four of them. I am doing these things without even thinking about it. Like, nope, you need help with this. Not a, can I do this for you? Da, 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 da. Those are things that in our core, we want a man to do. Like, Anytime, Mm. like you ask pretty much any like CEO or big businesswoman, what they want in a man is somebody who says, I plan dinner, wear this, I'm picking you up at eight o'clock, done. That's it. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to do it because we have so much on our plates. We want a man to come in and just say, I'm doing this for you. Here's how it is. Mm. And just we melt into a puddle. Oh my goodness gracious. We love it. So To think about, like, if I'm not even willing to do those little things, like, let him open a door for me or let him. So, like, we're we're members of the Mormon Church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I know a lot of our listeners are not. So I don't want our our verbiage to get confusing. But in church, we're in singles ward. Steve and I go to a singles ward. So everyone that's in our congregation is single. And something that I have a hard time with is I have seen that we as women have become so independent in the church that we aren't even allowing men to do basic things like put away tables and chairs. 
because we have gotten and the women that I see that do it are very much in the mindset of like, I don't need a man to do that for me. But then they get mad because they're like, well, the guys are just standing there. And I'm like, you literally have taken away every opportunity for them to serve in a classic way that they know how to serve. That's all I'm saying. So in like, I make it a habit now. And people are like, you're crazy. But it seems to help like every activity and stuff. I do not reach for a chair. I do not reach for a table. And sometimes I joke with boys like, oh, are the boys going to put away the tables and chairs? And they do it. They love it. They jump right up and they're excited to do it because I watch and I'm like, we have taken away so many opportunities from them because we're good at multitasking and we're good at doing this. Now, now Nick's in a family ward. He's married. I know that his his view is extremely different because he's sitting there and he's he's got his thinking face. <laughs> Is that he's what you like thought, a, Steve? Uh, I don't know. I, I have a thinking I face. I think so little. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I can't read faces that great. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but that was just something that I was thinking about. I'm like, so, okay. So I'm just going to tell you one of the things that Lauren, part of her dating advice is, when you're interested in someone and you're at the beginning stages, She's like, you need to give them a chance to rescue you, quote unquote, rescue you. Okay. I hate that term, but okay. I know, but there's, I know that there's another word that she says. So it's, do you railroad tracks? Or we what's do. Your... We tie ourselves to a railroad track <laughs> and we make sure old timey music is playing on a piano. Super fast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but she does it where she says, you have to give them the opportunity to serve you. So if you are stressed out and you're stuck at work, and you're like, I'm never even going to get lunch. Send them a text and say, I'm on a railroad track. I am bum, on a railroad track. There is a man here twiddling his mustache saying, the train is coming. <laughs> but sorry, she said, send a text. No, you're fine. Send a text and say, is there any chance you're free and you would be willing to bring me lunch? I cannot leave and I am stuck. And nine times out of 10, especially if they're interested in you, they will jump at the chance to be able to serve you you need this help. So you're asking for help and it gives them a chance to, and I know I hate the term, but it gives them a chance to feel like the hero because they are, they're saving you. They're doing something that we're allowing them to do. I know Steve's getting, or Nick's getting his face again. He thinks he's not, but I, he has no, a face. Okay. <laughs> he was thinking of, I need a hero. <laughs> I need a hero. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 his brain dun, was dun, actually dun, just dun, thinking dun, of like choreography. Yeah. But Actually, my brain was thinking, Heidi is so much different. She is. But Heidi's also been married for 20 years and has yes. five kids and is a very different situation. I'm talking about people in my situation where yeah. we desperately need those people to come. Okay. So how does, I mean, because this is yeah. interesting because we're saying, uh, hey, don't abandon like the, <laughs> the table leg things. Sure. Don't abandon your your pillars. Mm -hmm. And be yourself and do that, but also ask for help sometimes. Yeah. Um, but help in this case isn't different. to become a table leg. Uh, I see. I think that's the, the difference, right? I, I would mean, agree with that. So so what you're saying is this side of the table is has too much stuff on it. Yeah. And the legs are about to break. Mm -hmm. mm. Could you come embrace the table while I move my crap? That's pretty cool. Oh, that's I don't know so that's well put. Really good. That was so well put, Nick. Strengthening okay. all the other legs. That's what I get for my thinking face. Ooh. Yeah. So. <laughs> you think you bring that thinking face on because that Dang was it. gold. It's true. When our table's about to buckle, we need someone oh. to come and brace that table leg 
and maybe take a couple books off of it. So it gives us a chance to stop and go. I need to take some stuff off this table. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so good, Nick. Cool. That was so good. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, because it just made me think of it. Um, there is, I believe it's Shel Silverstein. It is Shel Silverstein. Did you guys grow up reading him? Oh yeah. Sure. Huge fan of him. There is a book called The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. Have you ever heard of this? No. Lauren referred me to it eight years ago or whenever we met. And it is, and she's like, you need to think of it in terms of dating. And I wish I'd brought my copy with me, but I'm going to, it's quick. I'll read it to you guys. And I wish you could see the visuals. So maybe we'll put up a link. Um, so there, imagine like basically a wedge, like a slice of pizza out of a circle. Okay. okay. That's the missing piece. And it says the missing piece sat alone, waiting for someone to come along and take it somewhere. Some fit. So you see like a rectangle come who had a missing piece and she put, they, they go in, it says, but they couldn't roll. Others could roll, but did not fit. So like circle, but you were too big for it. It says some had too many pieces missing. Some didn't know anything about anything. He's putting him in backwards. It's really cute. So then it says the missing piece tries to make itself more attractive, flashier, but this scares away the shy ones and leaves it lonelier than ever. If you can see it, it's like lights with angle or like arrows. And it says, it says, look here, here it is. I'm the missing piece. And that Uh scares away the shy ones. At last, one comes along that fits just right. And the two roll along blissfully. So there they are rolling. But then something strange starts happening. The missing piece begins to grow. And just like any relationship where one partner grows and the other remains static, things end in disappointment and then they just end. These, This is someone analyzing things. And then, so then the circle says, I didn't know you were going to grow. And the missing piece says, I didn't know it either. And so then he says, sigh, because the circle goes away. And then one day, one came along who looked different and it was a complete circle. And it says, I think you're the one that I've been waiting for, said the missing piece. Maybe I am your missing piece. But I am not missing a piece, said the big O. There is no place you would fit. That's too bad, said the missing piece. I was hoping that perhaps I could roll with you. Well, you cannot roll with me, said the big O, but perhaps you can roll by yourself. So for a long time, it just sat there. Then slowly, it lifted itself up on one end and flopped over. And then soon, and it does it again and again. And then it says, and soon its edges begin to wear off. And then it starts wearing itself into a circle. And soon it was bumping instead of flopping. Says the final scene is it catches up with the other circle and they're just rolling together as two separate people. I love that. I know I didn't read it very well, but um, I love it because it is so much of you don't need to be someone's missing piece and vice versa. You guys can be two whole pieces that can complement each other that can be together while you both have really secure table legs. I don't know. That was my little analogy. Okay. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. It's something I've really been working on is I have a hard time kind of multitasking. Like when I was getting ready to go to Chicago for work, I couldn't even think about anything else. Like, oh, calling at church. Not that I had anything to do right then, but it was like, can't even think about it. Oh, friend commitments. Can't even think about it because I was in work mode and I've been thinking about it lately. I'm like, how how can I balance myself a little bit better I know I'm never going to be able to have like 20 things on my plate at once. That's just not how I work. But how am I going to be able to balance it a little bit better where it's not just all or nothing with some things? So I'm thinking, you know, maybe by the time I'm 70 something, (laughs) I might get a spouse. Maybe we'll see the afterlife. It all works out. 
all works out. It'll happen at the right time. It will. And that was actually something, a thought that I had um, the other day. Because I've been thinking about it a lot, especially this weekend and stuff. And I'm like, ever since I can remember, like literally being a little kid, all I've ever wanted was to get married. That's all I've ever wanted. And it hasn't worked out and it hasn't worked out. And thankfully, now I'm looking at it going, oh, thank goodness it hasn't worked out because, man, would I have been divorced at least once. But looking at it now of Heavenly Father or whatever you want to feel like wherever your higher power is, he's he has a plan in place and he will have someone there for me when I am ready. But right now, I just need to work on strengthening those table legs and being the strongest that I possibly can. That's all I got. Amen. I like it. Yeah. Hallelujah. I yeah. <laughs> I know. I didn't, I didn't mean for it to turn into a church sermon. But that is all. So let us all strengthen our table legs. We will try to put a link to this Matthew Hussey post because I think it's so fantastic. And that is all. So thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>